Welcome. Good morning, everybody. My name is Mark Bullion, and if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you... Um, it's because I'm back in the children's ministries. Uh, my responsibility for Novation Church is I, uh, I, the associate pastor, I oversee diapers through uh, diplomas, I'll sweep floors, I'll do whatever's necessary. So you've got me today. So I hope you guys are ready for this ride. Um, you know, I, I wanted to start by saying something. I feel really bad for something today, for someone. You know who that someone is? It's the groundhog. Today's Groundhog Day. It overshadowed by the Super Bowl. And, and I don't know if you know this, but today the date is a palindrome. So the date is actually February 2nd, 2020. So it goes 02022020. And some of you probably wrote that down just to make sure that I'm doing it correctly. So the fact checking is correct. <sighs> Big day today. We've got communion. Um, it's going to be a good day. I know that God brought you here for a reason. I know he certainly brought me here for a reason today. So it is my privilege to be able to share today's message with you. If you have not been here, we are in a series called Mirrors. And this is the concept of how we have been created in his image. And to be created in his image of God is to reflect God-like characteristics. In this series, we're basically taking the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians, and we're looking at them, and we've already looked at love, joy, and peace. And if you're familiar with this passage, what's the next one we're going to talk about today? (laughs) The way some of you said that under your breath. I want to set the basis here. Some of you guys are like wiggling in your chairs. I can see it. We all understand that we have been created by God. Whether you call you a Christian or not, not, we have been created by Him. And Scripture tells us something about that in Genesis 1.27. It says that we've been created in His own image, the image of Christ. So you and I, we're a reflection of God. So it seems to reason that if we were created in the image of God, then we should be reflecting His characteristics, right? We do a bad job at it sometimes. The truth is that we don't. We don't always do it well. We are the broken image bearers of God. At the beginning of the series, Scott had that mirror and he shattered it on the stage and he looked at himself about how we're reflected in that because of what sin has done. But because of, the, because of his, this brokenness, we're a broken reflection of God. Sin, it distorts It kills, but talking about distortion, it takes the original picture of God and it distorts it in a way. You have been distorted. I have been distorted. So to prove this fact, I've got a couple pictures that I want to share with you that my daughter took of me. So um, this is distortion. Thank you for, (laughs) thank you for um, Snapchat. Apparently I'm supposed to look like I'm a baby. That's disturbing. There's too much laughter on that one. Don't, don't do that. You're hurting my feelings. Yeah, check that one out. That's my favorite right there. Oh, this morning we get to talk about patience. And you guys have heard me say this. I don't preach all the time. I get up here once about every six months or so. And I find it ironic that when Scott gives me the message, it's a message that it's just not pleasant to go through in preparation. A couple of weeks ago, he, he said, hey, you're going to be doing the uh, text of, of kindness. I'm like, yes, I'm going to knock this thing out of the park because I'm kind. I know that. 
He texts me two days later going, I made a mistake. You're going to be doing patience. <sighs> that's ironic because that's one of my biggest struggles in life is being patient. Is there anybody that can relate to this? I'm going to rough your, rough, ruffle some feathers today, I guarantee it. A woman's car stalls in traffic. She gets out and she looks in vain under the hood to identify the cause while the driver behind her leans relentlessly on his horn. Finally, she's had enough. She walks back to his car and offers sweetly, I don't know what the matter is with my car, but if you want to go take a look under the hood, I'll be glad to sit here and honk for you. <laughs> Waiting patiently is not a strong suit in our society. We are not patient people. You and I, we tend to be this. I was going to wrap this, but I'm, I'm not going to try, so let's try this. We tend to be a horn-honking, microwaving, Amazon Prime mailing, hug-and-go lane at school driving, fast food eating, shop-and-go shopping in a hurry type of people. That's who we are. That's who we are. People just simply do not like to wait. I read an article this week that said Americans spend an estimated 37 billion collective hours waiting in line and appointments each year. That's a lot of time that we are waiting. In fact, according to the computer scientist, and his name is right here, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce it, internet users may be a particularly impatient bunch. His research has shown that we're willing to wait on average two seconds for a video to load. When we have reached five seconds, the abandonment rate for that video is 25%. And when we go to 10 seconds, over 50% have already clicked off of it. 10 seconds. We can't wait for 10 seconds. So how well do you wait? How well do you wait? The recording on the line says you are caller number 37. Your call will be answered in the order that it was received. Please hold. What do you do? Do you A, do you hang up and call back, only to find out that you're now caller 53? <laughs> Been there. B, put, it, put the call on speaker and hand it to your dog, asking him to speak when the call is answered by a live person. I haven't tried that one, but that would be funny. C, do you agonize about all the issues all the other callers in front of you are having and realizing that they don't compare to your problems of why you're calling in the first place? D, you shake your head because you, the song playing on the line is from Guns N' Roses, the song Patience. <laughs> Some of you new kids have no idea. <laughs> and then E, do you take a deep breath, grab a cup of coffee, and maybe use some of that time to your advantage? Got one more. You're sitting in the waiting room. Your appointment was for 2.30, and it's now 3.15, and the receptionist says the doctor's running late. No, duh. A, what do you do? A, do you sigh real loudly so everyone else can feel your pain? B, do you thumb through the 1993 copies of Reader's Digest sitting in front of you, turning the pages loudly and occasionally giving the death stare at the receptionist because you know that she's responsible for this? C, do you sing loudly to the music in your, in, uh, that you're hearing overhead, smirking slightly because it's a song from Alabama? I'm in a hurry. I know you're singing it now in your head. You're like, I'm in a hurry. Okay. And then D, do you take a deep breath? you thank the Lord for a little bit more me time and use the time to your advantage? I don't do the Ds very well. I don't do the Ds very often. 
I understand that this topic is going to ruffle some feathers today. It might even push some of your buttons. But I want you to understand that the concept of being patient is found all over Scripture. And believe it or not, it's not a new concept. Having the ability to be patient is not something that we obtain immediately upon conversion to Christ. It's not a checkbox that we get when we've obtained Christ as our Savior going, yep, I'm now patient. It's something that we wrestle with day in and day out. Where do you guys wait the longest? TSA? You travelers? DMV? I'm going to be there in about two weeks because my daughter's going to be getting her permit. I'm dreading that. I'm dreading the patience. (laughs) Maybe it's Costco on a Saturday afternoon. Here's what the Bible has to say about patience and waiting. It says in Psalm 103:8 that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. It says in 1 John 4:8 that God is love. And if we're a reflection of God, then we are love, right? It says that right there. Well, let's move on down the list. 1 Corinthians 13:4 says love is patient. So then, if we're that reflection, we are called to be patient. Finally, in Galatians 5.22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Patience. So in this rat race of life, the question becomes, how do we become more patient? If you're like me, many times I'll start my day in prayer and I'll ask God to be more patient. And what I find how that day goes is quite the opposite. Because what I find is there's interruptions and inconveniences and irritations. I find slow drivers and even slower cashiers. You see, God did answer my prayer earlier that day. Now put this in your memory, in your mind, in your Morgan Freeman voice. Here's God saying, okay, then let's work on being patient today. And what I miss at the end of that day is the opportunities that God gave me to practice being patient. Being in that long line being at the red light that continually only lets one car through every single, every single time. So I want to give you a couple of things that I think that will help you to grow your patience. And on the outset, you're going to look at this going, how does that work? Trust me, it will. The first thing is this, our interruptions. Interruptions help grow our patience. And it says in Matthew 19, 3 through 4, Then the people brought little children to Jesus for him to place their hands on him, them and to pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them, and Jesus looked at them and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In this passage, we see that the disciples, they're irritated. The disciples are equating the people bringing their children to Jesus as an interruption rather than relationship taking place. The disciples completely missed the simple lesson that was being taught. Interruptions happen to us daily, and I know they happen to you. I'm a list list maker by nature. When I get to work at the beginning of each day, I've got a sticky note, and I'll write down all the things that I need to get done. And if I can, and, and it's things that I should be able to get done in, in an eight-hour workday right there, and I stick it on the corner of my desk. As long as I don't get interrupted, I'll get them done. But seldom does that work. What happens? Interruptions come in the form of 
emails or in an unexpected phone call or the neighbor that comes down and knocks on your door. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Wake up. No, no, wait. Let's try this again. You guys are a little slow there. Knock, knock. Interrupting cow. Moo. It was funnier on paper. (laughs) It was funnier in my head, actually, last night. All right, never mind. Moving on. Moving on. Seriously, we get irritated when our plans get interrupted, don't we? When, and you know what it is? I found out, I found about this more and more. We get, when we get interrupted, it's because it's our me time, right? It's our personal time that we feel like that is being interrupted by this. Let me offer you this. The next time you're interrupted by someone, ask God how you should react in that situation. The first thing you want to do is go, oh, and you look at that email come across, or you see your phone, the, the, the caller ID on your phone, and you could send them to, you could send them to voicemail. But maybe that phone call is someone desperately needing an ear to speak with. I've thought about that. Or maybe they're on the edge of something tragic and it's, it's you that they're reaching out to. Don't miss that opportunity. Take the call. Ask God real quickly, God, what do you want me to do with this? Take the call. Answer that email, whatever it is. Don't overlook it. Maybe you've sat down to read your favorite book that you haven't read in a while or watch your favorite, your favorite TV show or maybe you're going to watch the big game today and your little one comes to you and says, Daddy, will you? Mommy, will you? Those mommy will yous and those daddy will yous, they don't come every day. And the older that my children get, I get less and less of them. As a dad myself, I encourage you not to miss those moments to actually get to share in the lives of those people around you. And I'm pretty sure that's why God vented the DVR. We can, we can do that later. <laughs> the one of the best advice, bits of advice that I ever got was from Granny. She lived behind us in, in Loveland. And she said, your kids will never remember how clean the house was, but they will remember the time that you spent with them. Good advice. Now the men that heard that, Hear me something. Use that line sparingly. It's a good one to get out of chores occasionally, but you can't overuse that one, okay? Maybe once. We need to use the interruptions in our lives and our daily routines to help grow our patience. The second thing that I want to talk about to help us grow our patience are inconveniences. And there is a slight bit of difference here. Luke 1040 says this. But Martha was distracted by the preparations that had, been, had to be made. And she came to him, being Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Martha. She is like the disciples in the story that we read before. She's missing the big picture. She's missing that opportunity to sit at the foot of Jesus and listen. She's missing that opportunity to practice patience. Martha was frustrated. She was inconvenienced by the lack of urgency given by her sister Mary. Martha was so busy making sure that everything was perfect that she lost sight of that big picture. She forgot who who, who was standing in her house. Inconveniences and interruptions, they almost go hand in hand. And we deal with them daily. 
How many of you guys own a truck in this room? And how many of you ever received that phone call? You know that call that, I'm, that call and says, hey, Mark, you have a truck, right? <laughs> Knowing all well that they already know you have a truck, that's why they called in the first place. Hey, would you be able to help us move this Saturday? And what's the first thing you do? I'm going to do my hair. I got to get the red fingernail polish off my nails. There's something I've got to do. That was going to be my day. That was going to be your day. You were going to go and clean out your garage or the fridge or whatever it is that you were going to do. But now they've, they've crossed over that line. Now it becomes an inconvenience. It's your me time. You know, we perceive inconvenienced when we see people that we, that we perceive that people are not carrying their own weight, just like Martha saw in Mary. A great example of this, I got to thinking about it more and more, was our, when we first moved in this building three years ago now, three, almost three years ago now, and we had a cleaning team that started originally. And for the first few months, it was the same people coming in every single Saturday to clean the church. And I'm sure to some of those folks, including myself, because I was on that team, could have felt inconvenienced. I've got something better I could be doing right now. There's something else that needs my attention rather than sweeping the floor or cleaning the bathrooms. But you know what, we, what I missed is the, the, those opportunities of maybe just being a light and being a servant in that situation. For me, laying aside my, my personal things and saying, you know what, I'm going to do this for the greater good. I'm going to do this for my family because I love my family and I want them to have a clean floor and a clean bathroom. I know a lot of you in this room, and I know that a lot of you work really, really hard, and I don't want to underestimate that, but sometimes we need to really check our motivation in certain situations. Why are we doing what we're doing? Could we be doing it with a grateful heart, not allowing it to be an inconvenience, but maybe for it to be a blessing? So the next time you find yourself inconvenienced, pause and ask God to help you. Because when an inconvenience becomes a blessing, I, that's how we know that um, we are growing in our patience. Number three, to help us grow in our patience, the word irritations is the next one. Irritations. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 29 goes like this. It says, by faith... Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. This passage oozes with the patience of Moses. Instead of being known that he was the son of the Pharaoh's daughter and living the life of luxury, he chose a different way. A way that included being mistreated, being yelled at, being the target of the anger of Pharaoh. 
Moses understood that the irritations of this life were nothing, absolutely nothing, compared to what was in store for him because of his choosing to follow in faith. That's rich. That's deep. Moses, he could have complained. He could have, he could have um, put that nasty note in the comment box in, at work, right? He could have said, Ugh. but he didn't. He chose to live for the sake of Christ, and that, that had greater value than the treasures that were immediately at hand. So in this room, I guarantee there's some of you that have pretty hard bosses to work for. I know I do. I need you guys to edit that out, please. I know you may even have coworkers that really push your buttons from day to day. Use those moments when those irritations come to allow the growth of your patience to be fertilized by those irritations that you encounter. Okay? Number four, to help us grow in our patience, Sometimes it's inactivity. Inactivity. The Bible speaks a lot about people who had moments of inactivity. Moses, he waited 40 years before he could get into the promised land. 40 years. Half our congregation in here is under the age of 40. We see David. He had to wait something like 15 years from the time he was first anointed by Samuel to the time he became king over Judah. But that wasn't it. He still had to wait another seven years before he was anointed king over all of Israel. He waited 22 years to be made king. It's a long time. I have trouble waiting at a stoplight. We see Jesus. He waited 30 years before his public ministry started. We see Paul. He had to wait 14 years between his first and second journey before he was officially commissioned by the church. Man, it's a long time. Here's my personal beliefs on this. That times of inactivity are the times that God is doing the most behind the scenes. He's getting ready for the unveiling. But he needs time to work and to do things. Dominoes need to fall into place. Things need to happen before we can get into that place where God needs us to be. Have you ever experienced that? You look back. It's easy to be that Monday morning quarterback and look back later and go, Oh, I could see how God was working. But we're in the midst of it. It's hard to wait and to see what God is doing. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's happened to me several times where I'm, I'm inconvenienced or I'm irritated by a red light or something is going on and, and I'm, or I'm running late or something like that and I get stuck and I'm like, oh, wait. And then two minutes ahead, I come across an, a, a, a car wreck that was in front of me that just happened before the police had gotten there. That could have been me. Now, I'm not saying God, I got to believe God is protecting me in that situation. Maybe he used that red light to save me from something. I don't know. We'll never know sometimes. But we've got to wait in those moments to see what God's doing. Because just because you don't see God moving or hear God working doesn't mean that things are not being done on your behalf just out of eyesight. Something actually happens when nothing is happening at all. God uses the waiting to change and to mold us for what's going to happen. And if we didn't have that downtime, who knows what would happen. We would be incomplete. I got a picture I want to show you here. How many of you guys know this guy right here? That's Kurt Warner. 
the great Kurt Warner. Let me give you a little bit of a, about his bio here. And this is all about the inactivity. He graduated high school in 1989. Let's hear it for the 89ers. That's me. He attended Northern Iowa, and he graduated in 1993. He only started in his senior year of playing football that year. He only started in his senior year. So he sat the bench for four years. He was invited in 1994 to try out by the Green Bay Packers for the NFL draft, but he ended up going undrafted. So he went to work stocking shelves in a grocery store for $5.50 an hour. Eventually, he joined the Arena Football League in 1995, and he did well, and he gained attention for a couple of years. So maybe his big shots come in 1997. The the Arena Football League is going good. The NFL is looking at him going, yes. He's invited by the Chicago Bears to come to a tryout, but an injury to his throwing elbow caused by a spider bite sustained during his honeymoon prevented him from attending. Oh my gosh. I read that over and over going, is that? Oh my gosh. 1998, the next year rolls around and he found himself playing for the St. Louis Rams as their third string quarterback. And I forgot to get the notes on that, but I think he ended up throwing four passes that year if he did anything at all. The 1999 season starts And if you guys know that that was the NFL expansion draft. So all the teams have to dangle players out there saying, you can take one of these players, one of these five players. Well, Kurt Warner is one of those five players. Strangely enough, he does not get picked up by any other team. Through various offseason moves to the Rams that season, Kurt Warner finds himself as the number two quarterback now going into that that season. In a preseason game, the number one quarterback tears his ACL. And guess who's number one quarterback now? It's him. He's been waiting. All that inactivity. Is this this the moment? Warner plays so well at the beginning of that season, the team is actually 4-0 at one point. And he's got some incredible stats. Sports Illustrated actually puts Court Warner on the the cover of, of the October 18th edition with the caption, Who is this guy? He came out of nowhere. Not to God, he didn't. He ended up leading the Rams to victory in that Super Bowl that year. Eventually, he was inducted into the 2017 Hall, NFL Hall of Fame. Inactivity. A couple more things. He was the only player to be in the NFL and the Arena Football League Hall of Fames. He's the only undrafted NFL player in history to win the NFL MVP award. And he's the only undrafted quarterback to lead his team to a Super Bowl victory. Inactivity. He had a lot of time to wait. A lot of time of riding the pine. Being the second man, third man in charge, going to get Gatorade for the number one guy. Sometimes inactivity is just simply the timing of something of God to be right. God has a purpose for the inactivity and our waiting. And I want you to get that. I want you to hold on to that. Do you find yourself in a season now of inactivity? Are you waiting for something? I'm grateful for Scott bringing people forward for what he felt in that situation. And that's what I'm talking about here. Are we waiting for, are you waiting for a job? Paperwork to be processed. A marriage that's not going the way you thought it would be. A child who has wandered away from their faith. A diagnosis. Allow this downtime to be a time that grows our patience. And I know that a lot of you guys prayed for that a few minutes ago. 
So let's, let's get the tools out, and let me, let me hand you a couple of tools that are going to help to develop your patience. The first tool that I want to give you is this, is that I want you to get the right perspective. That's the one. That's the first one. It says in Proverbs 19.11 that a man's wisdom gives him patience. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. In my opinion, perception is everything. There's many times that we simply don't know what's going on in the lives of those to our left and to our right. You've heard the saying, haven't you, about before you criticize someone, walk a mile in their shoes? Why? It's because you're going to be a mile away from them, then you're actually going to have their shoes. So, <laughs> no. It allows us, some of you are still thinking about that, wait a minute, that's true. It allows us to see and feel what someone is going through. Going through something if you, if, there's always something that somebody's going through that maybe we've never experienced, and that's okay. But when you've been there and you've done that and you've bought the t-shirt, you understand deeply. I heard a story once. There was a man on a plane, and he had three unruly children. The plane had taken off, and the children were all over the place. They were kicking the seats in front of them, poking the people beside them, and it being a general nuisance for everyone in that section. All the man was doing was staring out the window during this time, doing nothing about how his children were acting. Finally, an irate passenger just was fed up with everything, and finally comes over and confronts the man and says, Sir... Is there something you can do? Your children are out of control and irritating everybody here. Maybe she said it just being mad. The man blinks and he kind of comes to and he apologizes to the passenger offering these words. I'm sorry, we're on our way back home from my wife's funeral. Did you feel that change right there? Did it change in you? You're irritated by these kids, and all of a sudden you hear that, and it changes immediately. Our perception is now different. Needless to say, the other passengers heard what was going on, and their perception was changed drastically to the point where those little boogers that were running around doing all that, that chaos, under, once under the skin of those around them, now found themselves on the laps of sympathetic passengers being read to and coloring with complete strangers. That nuisance child is now something that you've taken on because of the, the perception change. But what about that, that driver in traffic? It's got to be different, right? What's he going through? Why is he driving that way? We don't know. That individual that said something nasty to you at work, what set them off? It might not even be directed towards you. It's just a reaction of something. We simply just don't know sometimes. So we've got to learn to be able to give grace. In any, of, in any situation that you find, themselves, you find yourself, if you can do this one thing, if you can distance yourself emotionally from it, you have the ability to gain a different perspective. So the next time you're cut off in traffic, take the emotion out of it. Realize that maybe that person's on their way to the hospital. I don't know. Don't poke your neighbor, no, your wife next to you. I saw that. <laughs> Distance yourself emotionally, and that will give you a better um, ability of, for perspective. You want to develop patience? Have a sense of humor. 
Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> it tells us in Proverbs 14.30, this might be a new tattoo for me, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. A relaxed attitude. How many of you guys have a relaxed attitude? <sighs> Good. Learn to laugh, learn to chill. Seriously, in this life, we are so strung out. Learn to laugh at situations around you instead of them causing you to be impatient or irritated. I asked for permission from Tom and Sheena Fields. Um, a couple of days ago, there was a picture of Summer on Facebook, and it, it was captioned underneath, before I tell you what the picture looked like, it was captioned underneath, the moments of silence before dinner was ready. And there was pink marker across Summer's forehead and over some eyebrows. I looked at that, and, and I, I've got to believe that Summer, or, or uh, Sheena and Tom probably laughed at that, going, oh man, take the markers away from her. But sometimes you've got to look at that and just laugh at it and go, it'll come off. It's fine. She's still safe. If you know me, you know I love to laugh, and I like to make other people laugh. And over this last summer, we had one of our dogs trained as a therapy dog. Most of you have seen Gizmo here at the church. He's a service dog for my daughter, Lilia. But she wasn't going to be taking him to school this school year, so he needed to still have a job. So I had him trained as a therapy dog. And we went to a program um, out at DIA. It's called CATS. I know it's ironic. Dogs are in the CATS program. CATS stands for Canine Airport Therapy Squad. And her only job was to walk along the concourses and allow the people to pet Gizmo and allow people to smile. Because the, the airport's a stressful place. And they have found that out time and time again. So the best place to, that we found to do this was on Concourse B. And if you've flown out of DIA, you know that that's the American Airlines terminal. And if you get down there, especially halfway down, you get to the customer service area of the concourse. And many times, I would just go directly there. I would bypass a lot of people and go straight there because usually there's a line of 60 to 70 people deep. And let me tell you, the people are not there getting sweet treats and giving compliments. They're mad. And if we went late in the day, it's because there was bad weather on the East Coast and traffic delays and things like that. I would often enter the area in a very loud proclamation. Okay, Gizmo. Now it's your turn. Make these people smile. And you know what happened? It did. People that were standing there, their arms crossed, would eventually uncross their hands to reach out and pet the dog. And when they went to pet the dog, that, that face went. And their mean, gruff voice went, oh, puppy, puppy. It was amazing. And I, we would talk to people and we'd laugh. And I'd try to get them to understand, you know what? It's not, it's not necessarily the airline's fault. Blame it on God, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what? If we can laugh through situations like that, it allows for our impatience to be thawed and the irritations to be melted away if we allow it to. It does. So I'm going to ask you guys today to laugh. Laugh today sometime. American film actor Lee McLaughlin once said, if you learn to laugh, you'll be entertained for a lifetime. I thought that was pretty cool. You want to develop patience? Here's the next tool I'm going to give you. Give grace to other people. Ephesians 4.22 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
Be gracious to those around you. Give them grace. Another way to say that is forgiving people, especially in times of interruptions, inconveniences, and irritations. Extend the hand of grace to someone that maybe doesn't fit the mold of you think who should receive it. That's a tough one to do. It's almost that love your enemies kind of thing. We are called to extend grace. Why? Because of the grace that's been extended to us by Jesus Christ. I didn't get God's favor because of these looks and and my athletic ability. I have no idea why you're laughing. That was not a joke. That was serious. God wants us to grow strong in giving grace to others. He wants that. Giving grace to another person is simply to forgive them unconditionally, just as God has forgiven us. It tells us in Colossians 3.13, to bear with one another and forgive what other grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Oof. That's tough to do sometimes. But God, you don't know. He knows. This will help you develop patience. Just as we don't deserve God's forgiveness, someone you know may not deserve yours, right? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to God. We're still commanded to forgive them. I actually have the word forgiven tattooed on my forearm, on my left arm. And this is not to remind me that I'm forgiven, although it does. But it's also a reminder to me that I need to forgive those around me too. I saw a meme on Facebook that said, gratitude is our ability to see the grace of God morning by morning, no matter what else greets us in the course of the day. I'll say that again. Gratitude is the ability to see the grace of God. If you see that and you know that if you experience that, it's much easier to give that away. And I know it sounds counterintuitive, but extending grace to those whom, who, people who have wronged us actually is an act of gratitude towards God for the grace that we've received. Grace, we've got to give that freely, like candy corn at Thanksgiving. Give it out. Last one. You want to learn how to develop patience? Get your strength from God. Tells us in Colossians 1, 9 through 11, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, and being strengthened by the power according to his glorious might that you may have great endurance and what? patience. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. That's the key. Unfortunately, we lean on our own understanding, don't we, from time to time? And we all depend on our own strength, and we all have failed to acknowledge him which is why we get so confused and start to question things and we don't trust the Lord, but we trust what? In ourselves. Before we do anything, try this. Pray before you do it. Lift God up and really believe it. Ask for his strength to be done, not your own. 
I've had to wrestle with this a ton in my life. Don't just say it. Know that you're still going to rely on your own power in the end anyway. That doesn't accomplish anything. But truly believe that you didn't do any of this. It was God's favor. God gave you the black belt in karate. God gave you a new part of your business. God gave you the winning speech in a public speaking competition. God gave you that new job to help you with your finances. Why did God do that? Because he knew that he would be glorified in it. That's why we have these things. So I want you to learn to trust in him and never ever depend upon your own strength. Because when we start doing that, we're depending on our own self. We've got to get out of the way to allow God to move. Go to that well of strength. That well is of God. And I want you to drink deep. This morning, we're going we're gonna to go into communion here in a few minutes. And I want to thank you for lending me your ear for the last whatever it was that I was speaking. And my prayer is that you've gained something this morning. I want, as you guys know what I do back in teaching in children's ministries, as I always give a call for the children to take with them. And my call to you is this. Where are you going to practice patience this week? I told Darcy earlier today that um, I went to Walmart on Friday late afternoon and the lines were long and I had a basket full of stuff and I particularly chose the longest line possible. I did that on purpose. I said, okay, God, I'm going to practice this. You're going to... and, and I had a great conversation with the person in front of me and I had a great uh, conversation with the cashier as well. It was cool. God got me through it and I still got home in time to cook dinner. We're going to take communion this morning. There's two tables up here. We do this here to remind us of what God has done for us. And I'm, we're, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you guys to come forward to take the elements and to take the elements back to your chair and let us take them together. Titus 2 says, for the grace of God. <laughs> it does say something that's not funny. Titus 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and world passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, which is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself to a people that are his very own eager to do what is good this morning you're holding the elements that we take in communion the juice and the bread and it tells us in the last supper that Jesus took the cup telling his disciples that this was his blood that was shed for them for their sins we're reminded of the same so take in remembrance of Jesus And in the same manner, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he told the disciples that this was his body that was broken for them. Take and eat as we remember him.
good to remember God in this way. Amen. I'm truly grateful for each one of you. Let me pray. Father, as we go today, by the things that we've talked about today, would you give us opportunities to live out these fruits of the spirits that we've been talking about? And in particular today, would you give us that understanding of patience? The next time we are faced with irritations and inconveniences, would you remind us to be patient because you've been patient for us? Lord, you were patient with me for 19 years before I gave my heart to you. I'm grateful for that. The people here are grateful that you're their God. Let us go today, Father, and just be filled with your glory. Be with us in all that we do, whichever team we root for, Lord. But bless our fellowship. Bless our times that we have with those people around us. As we give you praise, honor, and glory. And we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.